Come see the new Utah Golf and Travel Expo. New ownership has made some big changes. February 24th and 25th at the Mountain American Expo Center. Lots of fun contests for cash prizes like long drive and putting challenges. Thousands of dollars in giveaways include rounds of golf, trips, and more. Every attendee gets a $15 off coupon good toward Topgolf Salt Lake. Plus, Uinta Golf is giving every attendee a $20 off coupon on purchases over $100. Additional info and tickets are online at utahgolfandtravelexpo.com. I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden and Andy Larson. Welcome in to the How About This Jazz Podcast. I'm Andy Larson with Eric Walden. We are the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Beat Writers. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We've got uh, nine days... Uh, until the trade deadline, we've got Jazz All-Star news coming up. Remember, All-Star game February 19th, that weekend, that whole weekend is going to be a NBA basketball extravaganza. Um, we've got multiple games in between now and then. And, of course, we have the closest Western Conference in NBA history uh, where the Jazz are right in the middle of it. So there's kind of a lot to talk about. Um, I'm excited. First of all, Eric, how are you? I'm good. I haven't had any pets die since the last podcast, so, you know, that's that's fantastic news. Should we do a check-in every week? Like, how how are Eric's pets doing this week? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how interested our listeners are, but... Um, just a quick, everyone, like, but dead or alive We'll just check. go ahead and do it. Everyone, everyone is hanging in there this week, so <laughs> thank goodness for that. Great. Not ready to lose any more family members. Two thumbs up. All right, let's talk Walker Kessler. Uh, we want to talk Walker Kessler, and then we also want to get into some trade deadline stuff later. So, But let's start with Walker Kessler, officially named to the NBA Rising Stars team. Uh, so it's it's really 28 players uh, with uh, 21 rookies and sophomores and also seven G League players named, which is kind of interesting because it means Scoot Henderson gets to play, and, and we're all for that. Um this was an expected thing, I think, it's fair to say, because Walker Kessler has had such a good start to the season, but still a cool uh, recognition for the, the young man. How did he react at, at practice today, Eric? He is a very gregarious and outgoing individual, and he came into the media session like right after Jazz practice had wrapped up, and they had broken the news to him just literally minutes before he came in and talked to us so he still had a very vibrant glow about him he's very he's very happy uh you know we asked him hey was this something that like was this a goal that you shot for when you got drafted when you you know knew that you were coming to the NBA and he basically was like I didn't want to set any expectations other than you know just try to do whatever I can to help whatever team I'm on win um you know, he, he kind of noted that, like, his early months in the NBA were something of a whirlwind, um, you know, given that he was technically drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies, traded on draft night to the Minnesota Timberwolves, traded a couple weeks later to the Jazz as part of the Rudy Gobert deal, um, you know, started off the season coming off the bench, all of a sudden inserted into the starting lineup. He really kind of evoked a sense of just feeling like, it's been not overwhelming, but like there's been 
a lot going on around him that's yeah. taken some acclimating and so having kind of this validation of his play uh was was very kind of uh, having him acknowledge that you know being meaningful to him was was kind of endearing and like like I said you know you've you've interacted with Walker enough to know that like he's a little bit of a heart on his sleeve kind of a guy he he tells you exactly what he's thinking and so uh yeah he he definitely was excited about it he's he's really happy to be representing the jazz here in Salt Lake City during all-star weekend well, and, and look, like the Rising Stars game is, is not like a big deal. It's not like a lot of people tune in to watch what happens. Will the sophomores win or the rookies win or will the U.S. or world win or this year? They're splitting 28 players into four different teams and running a three-team tournament. Like, you know, will Team Jason Terry or will Team Pau Gasol win or will Team Darren Williams win? Nobody really, you know, cares that much. But what they do care about is is you know, the awards and acclamation and, and recognition, right? Like, I, I do think kind of no matter where you are, or what you do, even if an award doesn't matter to a larger audience, it is just nice to know that a body of work has been recognized, right? And for Kessler, that's uh, coming up on 50 games. Uh, and he has played really well, you know, and, 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 has exceeded expectations. And, you know, I, I think, you know, certainly was a, a five-star college recruit um, and, and but then kind of disappointed in that first season in North Carolina, didn't, didn't play a lot, moved to Auburn, played really well, but still was kind of seen, you know, even if you go back through the old mock drafts as a late first round, maybe even an early second round guy, just because of what the NBA kind of thinks of centers of his type right now. And he's exceeded expectations, shown how it can work, show how he can add value to a team and, and made the leap into uh, the starting lineup as well, you know, so and not just, you know, because someone's hurt, but now permanently. And so that it's really cool to see a, a kid who, who I think really does care and really does want to get better um, to have that kind of success uh, so early on. You know, it's it's funny. Will always talks about how Walker apologizes too much, right? Like for his mistakes. I don't think you see a lot of NBA players necessarily who do that. And, uh, you know, so I think there's a humility and a, a self-awareness about Walker that I think is really refreshing. Yeah. And you mentioned the care factor, right? Like we, we've acknowledged that he cares. Uh, speaking of that care factor, you, you prefaced your comments by saying, Hey, no one really cares about like you know the results of of the Rising Star Challenge, except apparently for Walker Kessler. Oh. We, he, we got him. I asked him about you know they actually did this this four team uh, three game tournament last year, and I asked him if he'd paid attention and and he did. He's of the opinion that uh, this format actually will help a guy like him in this game because you know. In years past, the, the style of play tended to very much mimic what was going on in the All-Star game itself, which is a whole lot of running up and down the court, fast-paced play, and not a ton of opportunity for, you know, a seven-foot-one defensive specialist to make an impact. Um, he's looking forward to this tournament uh, because he feels like people will be taking it more seriously, that, that the participants involved will be looking to get kind of bragging rights, if you will, in winning the thing. And he very much wants to win it. You know, really, we asked him, like, you know, what are what are your hopes for it? And really, his, his only two hopes were 
One, he would like to play alongside his former uh, Auburn teammate, Jabari Smith Jr. And two, he really wants to do what he can to try to win two games at this thing. So, you know, that's Walker Kessler in a, in a nutshell, right? Like, he, he wants to show loyalty to the people he's been friends with. And um, he wants to prove that he's a winner and that he is a part of that winning. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I just looked it up, by the way. Tickets definitely still available for the Rising Stars game, uh, starting at $60. So there you go. Uh, looks like most of them are upper bowl tickets. Well, there's still a couple lower bowl tickets left, but anyway. Uh, it is an option. If you want to do an all-star thing and not spend, you know, $1,000, uh, the, the Rising Stars game that Walker Kessler cares about might be a reasonable option. Exactly, and that takes place Friday, February 17th, I want to say? Correct. Yes, Se- it does. 7 p.m. Mountain Time? Correct. We, we talked about it last week on the podcast, too, but uh, kind of the, the stuff you can do, all-star game on a budget story, uh, including stuff a lot cheaper than $60 that, that we did put online on Monday. Check it out, sltrip.com. Uh, and, yeah, but also on our Instagram, by the way, at uh, sltrip. So let's talk trade deadline stuff. We okay. love ourselves a good trade deadline. We do. Um, so the, I mean, and honestly, I think this is a very interesting trade deadline for the jazz, you know, like last year, uh, was pretty meh, <laughs> you know, the jazz traded Joe Ingles for Nikhil Alexander Walker and, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. And that was fine. And it did not put them over the top. It did not do anything to their championship chances. It was meh, right? Uh, and so now we are here and, you know, instead, you know, I think the Jazz last year were buyers. This year they are sellers. Um, I think the question is, is and, and pretty clearly they are sellers. You know, I, I think uh, they are, you know, they're not looking to buy pieces that get the team better this year. They, they truly don't really care uh, if they finish fifth or 12th in the Western Conference this year. You know, like I, I think... You know, there's kind of the, the tank note part of the fan base that wants them to tank. Uh, I think there's a part of the fan base that would just be like, yeah, you know, while we can go get the, the four or five seed, let's go do it. Uh, but ultimately, what Danny Ainge, Ryan Smith, and Justin Zanuck want to do is bring a championship to Utah. And kind of there's no trade deadline trade that would make the Jazz a championship team this year, right? Yeah. So um, it, it, it really is kind of interesting, like, you spell out pretty clearly, like just there, and also in your article that got posted today, like the Jazz are sellers, and for good reason. And yet, you know, talking, I've I've talked to so many fans who are like, so what are we, what are we going to do to like make sure that we get into the playoffs? And it's like, that, that's not the thing. Like, if that happens, okay, fine. But like, really, the goal here is to set the team up for its long-term future, you know, to become, uh, to put themselves in the best position possible to be competing for a championship down the road. Like them getting, you know, the sixth seed or whatever, like, okay, cool. You get, you, you get to play in a couple of playoff games. Like, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't change the long-term process. That doesn't change the long-term goal. And honestly, yeah, it, it, it makes more sense for them to, you know, move the pieces they've got um you know for the sake of like setting themselves up for down the road than for you know trying to bolster their playoff run right just wanted to 
just wanted to clear that up. Obviously, you and I know that, but I, I think I was surprised by, I don't know if you've had these same conversations, but I've been surprised by the number of people who've, who've brought those kinds of questions to me. So I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Um, so I'd say, you know, essentially everyone, the only people who aren't available really are Lowry Markkinen and Walker Kessler. And like, uh, Ochai Baji is, is someone that the Jazz would like to keep. But, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, obviously if you traded Ochai Baji for a better younger player, you know, they're, they're going to take it. You know, they would do the Ochai Agbaji for Paolo Bencaro deal. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, but you know, that being said, Lowry and Kessler are clearly at this point worth multiple first round picks at least. And, and, you know, have long-term deals with the team are, are building blocks for the future, uh, and ditto with Igbaji. So, um, that's, that's good. I think everyone else, it's kind of a meet our price situation and they'll, they'll move them. You know, I, I think, you know, while jazz fans love Jordan Clarkson, uh, and, you know, I think the organization does too, you know, Ryan Smith does love Jordan Clarkson, you know, there's not going to be, regardless, you know, Ryan's not going to be like, oh, we just need to keep Jordan Clarkson on the team because I'm a good buds with him, right? Like, this is a guy who just blew up his team with trading Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Clarkson is not going to be like the last draw that he won't accept. Um, now, that being said, the Jazz would need to get a really good offer for him in order to to move him. You know, I think they're not necessarily just looking to move him for nothing. I, I think we've seen how Danny Ainge negotiates when, as you know, GM of the Celtics, and over the last year, it, it really is kind of a you know maybe with the exception of the Boyan Bogdanovich deal where he made a promise and the Jazz kind of had to move him. Uh, it is a deal of, you know, if you meet our price, we will sell. And if you don't meet our price, we will not sell, right? And that's, I think, the case for seven different guys on this roster. Two points there. One, it really is crazy how many guys could potentially be available. Like, I certainly don't think, like, you know, Danny Ainge is going to be trading all seven of those guys. But the simple fact that, like, any of those seven or or any combination of those seven could go and we wouldn't be shocked by it um you know i think some jazz fans would definitely miss jordan clarkson if he were to get traded some would definitely miss mike conley if he were to get traded um i know that uh jared vanderbilt still has his fans although i think uh there there are less of those people on vanderbilt island than there were you know previously um but really the the other thing that you mentioned, um, the anecdote that you included from from Mark Stein, where you know some league executives are kind of joking, hey, you know if uh, if you see Danny Ainge's name and number pop up on your cell phone for uh, you know something related to trade deadline, just let it go to voicemail, right? Because like he has this reputation of being a very shrewd negotiator, of of being a very kind of driven negotiator and for also kind of keeping to his price right and the jazz frankly are in a position with pretty much everyone on that list with the exception of jc uh who's set to become an unrestricted free agent of not having to do anything right now right like yeah. if if they you know if teams are if danny feels that you know teams are lowballing him uh for mike conley or malik beasley or Kelly Olynyk or whoever, 
he doesn't have to move any of those guys right now. You know, uh, he can revisit moves during the summer. You know, he can revisit moves during uh, the next trade deadline next season, you know. Um, so he really does find himself in an advantageous position right now. That said, like, I want to caution Jazz fans from, like, expecting craziness. I, I do think that the Rudy and Donovan trades have kind of warped <laughs> yeah. people's perspectives to some degree. Like, I, I saw some guy the other night who was, like, all set to, like, ship Lowry Markinen out of here. Um, you know, I, I saw someone else who's like, well, you know, I saw, I saw some Luka Doncic-related stuff, right? That's like... Look, if you could trade Larry for Luka... The Jazz are not getting... <laughs> right. If you could, yeah, awesome. Uh, I, I personally don't think Luka Doncic is going to be available on the market, but that's just me. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, if, if he were able... You know, look, he's not going to be at this deadline, but I think there is a world in which, like, he gets disappointed with Dallas. They decide to move him before he doesn't resign but like we're, we're talking years and years down the road right like uh yeah. i i don't think we're we're there in a week i like you know ultimately um it's funny you look at kind of how celtics fans and uh their perception of danny Ainge in in boston and it was really oh man this guy's making a lot of trades at the beginning right like traded antoine walker obviously the the pick steal with you know traded the paul pierce and kevin garnett uh you know you you kind of go down the list and kind of in these rebuilding phases he makes a lot of trades and i think you know he i will continue to make a lot of trades uh now you know i i think because he does still see the jazz in in kind of year one of the rebuild uh but then you got to kind of the last four years of Danny Ainge maybe I want to say and Celtics fans were disappointed that they didn't make more deals to put them over the top or to change them in in any any way and and look Danny Ainge was probably you know there were a lot of fans that wanted him to go out and get Anthony Davis or uh you know you can you can go down the list of some of the available stars I think ultimately uh Danny has been kind of proven right in terms of who he kept, you know, in order to keep those deals, uh, in order to build the Celtics, right? Like the Celtics are the best team in the NBA this year. Uh, some of that is Brad Stevens' work, but a whole lot of it is Danny Ainge's work and, and being able to keep uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and and some of those guys around him. So, uh, look, I you know, Marcus Smart, for example. I think ultimately uh, he's he is going to be active, he is going to be aggressive, and I do think the Jazz make move multiple players at this deadline. Um, but I, I do think like, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a guarantee if the offers aren't out there. That being said, I think the offers are objectively out there for Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley, you know, like while they are asking for first round value on Jared Vanderbilt, and I'm not sure that they get it. Uh, I think that there's going to be some value out there, uh, where they think they, you know, can get more from Jared now than they can get for, at the uh, in the off season or at next year's trade deadline because there's not really a open path for him getting more playing time than he's gotten this season if that makes sense yeah no uh the emergence of walker kessler has really kind of stymied um his his uh opportunities here to some degree um and, and the I problem is because lines... he can't shoot like he, you really yeah. it's hard to play him next to kessler or at any other position besides center um yeah, no, there, there's a reason that uh, once Walker Kessler entered the starting lineup when Kelly Olynyk got hurt, that uh, Will Hardy went to playing 
Malik Beasley in the starting lineup, right? Went to, and there's a reason yeah, that once, yeah. and, and, rather rather than Vando, right? And there's a reason that once uh, Kelly Olynyk came back, like Walker was good enough at that point to remain in the starting lineup. And so then what do you do to avoid the Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors situation all over again? Well, uh, you put Kelly back in the starting lineup, but move him to the four and you keep Vando coming off the bench because yeah, uh, you know, even though he's had those games where he's made a few three-pointers, obviously he's he's made way more this year than he ever had in his career before. He still is treated functionally as a non-shooter because he makes so few of those threes that he effectively is a non-shooter. Yeah. You know, so um, you know that that just inherently limits what he can do on a team where Walker Kessler is an ascending front court presence, and so um, hence his availability. I guess I would ask you, do you think that he and Malik are probably the two most likely guys to get traded from this roster? Yes, absolutely. Because ultimately, I think uh, they're the best combination of uh, guys that the Jazz are not that afraid to lose and guys where there's significant value around the league. I mean, look, we, we know uh, uh, through various reports, whether that's the Athletic, you know, uh, Michael Scotto at, at Hoops Hype, uh, Jake Fisher at Bleacher Report. I mean, uh, you know, these are these are relatively good kind of rumor mill sources. They're kind of water cooler sources in some way. Like I, you know, obviously Shams is is really good, um, and and I I think Jake Fisher is really good in reporting things that you know, for agent reasons or whatever else, Adrian Wojnarowski won't report at ESPN. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that he's he's good at reporting that kind of scuttlebutt and there is a significant scuttlebutt around the league of multiple teams being interested in both vando and malik uh vando you know is kind of a cheap young 23 year old athletic talent as an energy guy frankly there are a lot of teams around the nba who think that they have a energy and toughness deficit and that malik can or that vando can help with that in some way even if he is not the most talented guy um and then I, I also think that uh, there are a lot of teams, nearly every team, that thinks they have a shooting deficit, right? Like, I mean, we can go down the list, but the, the Lakers, uh, the, the Clippers, the, the Pelicans uh, are, are obvious candidates. And then, you know, you kind of have some teams that want to sell their players, whether that be the Hawks or whoever, uh, and just kind of the salaries of Vando at around 4 to $5 million and Malik at around $15 million. Uh, give you a lot of leeway to to make uh, some creative deals either together or apart. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I ultimately expect both of those guys to probably be moved at this deadline. Um, but, you know, again, we'll, we'll see. Like, I think in the past, as I analyze kind of like how I have previously analyzed last deadlines, I think I'm a, I get a little bit too excited about the possibility of a trade and, and think that it's more likely than it is because there are all these conversations. Um, and, you know, there there may be significant gaps uh, in value between what uh, the Jazz, you know, say they're asking for and say they'll accept versus what teams are actually willing to offer. You know, like I'm thinking, you know, years past where, Jazz tried to move Conley or tried to move Jordan Clarkson or, uh, you know, were close on a Mike Conley deal at the deadline. Uh, just because conversations get to a pretty advanced place doesn't end up meaning that one of the two teams uh, slides to, to, to make the other team happy, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's very easy to fall into that trap, right? I think 
uh, I'm a little more cynical, especially since since getting into this job. Uh, you know, I used to absolutely love trade deadline just as a basketball fan, as an NBA fan, because, you know, I loved reading all that water cooler talk, you know, all the rumors, guys who were connected with agents and front offices and, well, this is what I'm hearing. And, and even if a lot of that was kind of self-serving stuff, you know, trying to like being put out there with a purpose, which definitely happens, um, you know, it was still at least interesting to hear, oh, that guy's like theoretically available. Yeah. And then you get into it and you see how this team has operated before and you're like, you know, there's always like the rumor of like the the mega deal happening or at least like the significant impact deal happening. And then more often than not, you know, you are dealing Joe Ingles with a torn ACL for Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Juancho Hernan Gomez, right? Right, right. Um, so I've become like a little more kind of muted in my excitement about trade deadline, but it still is intriguing. And I think, I, I think you're not wrong this year to maybe expect a little more just because, as we mentioned, they do have like theoretically seven guys or more who could, you know, you wouldn't be shocked if they were out, if, if they were dealt. Um, so I, I think there's definitely cause to like kind of get that excitement level up for something or multiple somethings to happen. Um, what I'm interested in hearing you discuss is what ideally are the Jazz looking to come out of this trade deadline acquiring? Like we, we've discussed kind of at length about, you know, what opposing teams might be looking for if they deal for Avando or if they deal for Malik or, you know, obviously we know what Mike Conley would bring to the table for, say, the Clippers or the Lakers or whoever, um, or, or Jordan Clarkson. If the Jazz are looking to move these guys, what are they ideally trying to get out of it? Yeah, you know, I think it's weird. I, you know, I don't think they think of it in those terms at this point. You know, like, I, I don't think they're like, oh, well, this team needs a point guard for of the future, and, you know, this team needs a de defender, well, no, right? No, I, exactly. That's that's my point. Like, I think, because they're not necessarily targeting positions, like, what are they, what are they hoping to get? Long-term value. So, like... You, and you can get that in multiple ways, right? Like, so uh, you can get that in terms of a first or second round pick or multiple picks, right? Like, so if, if you're able to turn uh, an expiring current contract in, in Jordan Clarkson into a long-term, into a pick, maybe you do that uh, if, if that pick is good enough. Uh, you know, it ditto with Vando and, and Malik. And then, you know, you can trade that pick for a player that you like later um, that, that fits whatever you need moving forward at some time to be determined, right? Like, um, you know, I think with Mike Conley, for example, you may just want to not have to pay him uh, 14 to $24 million next season, right? Like, you may just want to say, hey, it's time to find the next point guard of the Jazz. Maybe, you know, whether that's giving Colin Sexton a chance, I don't think that they think that it is. Um, or if they, you know, go out and... Is, is that someone that they draft? Is that someone that they uh, get in free agency? Whatever it is, get in a trade. I, you know, I think they would kind of like to open up that salary slot a little bit. Um, and maybe even that salary slot could be used to get a first-round pick in terms of taking on a bad salary from someone else. Like, again, in a, a John Collins kind of deal. Um, you know, there's only one team out there right now with uh, cap space this season. You know, the Jazz probably won't be a cap space team this year. But if you can move Mike Conley's deal uh, and and have cap space next year, that's that's pretty helpful. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I would say uh, the the Dorian Finney Smith thing is really interesting to me, and you know, I think there is some interest there. Uh, it's interesting because he's twenty nine, right? Like, and yeah. so is not like definitely on the same uh, timeline as the other guys, as you know, Malik, as Lowry, as Walker, as Ochai, etc. Um, but is is really good and is kind of the player that the Jazz need a little bit. Um, and so that would signal to me if they do go out and spend Malik Beasley and, and maybe a draft asset on Dorian Finney-Smith, that would signal, hey, we want to be good next year. And then you're looking for them to kind of trade the picks. You know, like, so ultimately, I think there's a real possibility that they use the picks in a trade rather than they use the picks to draft them and develop a guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that they are necessarily waiting to get a superstar through the draft and waiting for that guy to develop, especially given where the, the picks uh, that they have right now are slated to end up, which is late lottery. Like they know that those picks are just less likely to, to be elite NBA players and, and guys that you build your, your, your franchise around. Yeah. And you know, before people listening to this start uh, jumping in with the, well, Hey, what about Donovan Mitchell? What about Rudy Gobert? What about, uh, you know, Nikola Jokic, what about Giannis? What about Kawhi? Like, yeah, there's always exceptions, right? Like sometimes that stuff happens, but more often than not, the elite players of the league come from those first three positions in the draft. Um, like the jazz, just go back and look, the jazz are capable of doing math. If Tony Jones is in, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> uh, Tony's Tony's right. Like, look, sometimes you can get good players late in the draft, but it's just better to have higher picks. Like this is just like a, a mathematical truity. This is not, this is three is greater than two. It's not, it's not any more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, and the other mathematical truity, as you put it, Which is, is that the jazz have a ton of draft picks right now. And it makes zero sense for them to plan to use all of them on drafting players um and so yeah you obviously look to see okay who is going to be out there either right now or this summer you know what distressed asset will there will there be in a few months uh that the jazz can then turn around and package these picks for you know they sent out rudy and they sent out donovan and they got a haul uh there's nothing stopping them other than you know lack of availability at this moment from doing the reverse of that, you know, and when some other team decides to move on from Superstar X, you know, during this offseason, uh, the Jazz could very well find themselves positioned well to, you know, make a run at that guy. So, yeah, it, it certainly makes sense to look at the likes of a Dorian Finney-Smith, to look at the likes of a John Collins, to look at the likes of, you know, whoever it may be. Uh, they certainly have draft capital to, uh, to burn, but to use, you know, uh, to to expend wisely in terms of like, who can we get that is going to be a part of that next great jazz team? And so that's the reason why, you know, we could see them move on from a Kelly Olynyk, from a Jared Vanderbilt, from a Malik Beasley, um, whoever, uh, you and, know. And I'd also say that they're, if they do use a pick in these trades to to get a player, I think they're looking for a player that would have long-term value that they could then sell for a pick moving forward, kind of depending on how the rebuild goes. So uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, really good example, paid $12 million a year for the next three seasons after this. 
that's a deal that, like, look, let's say that the Jazz suck next year for whatever reason. Lowry Markkinen gets hurt. Whatever happens, you can then sell Dorian Finney-Smith for probably about a first-round pick, right? Like, or, or something useful. It's not like Dorian Finney-Smith will just completely lose his value. You know, kind of the idea is maybe you can rehab John Collins' value a little bit and say, yeah, look, he's probably not worth $25 million a season now, but if you put him in a situation in which, like, he's got a good coach and got good teammates and doesn't hate Trey Young and all this other good stuff uh, and get him to where he was two years ago where he's a 20-point-per-game a scorer, then all of a sudden now he's turned from a negative ass, uh, you know, asset or a neutral asset into a positive asset that then you can sell down the road. Like, I think what they're still looking for is really flexible pieces. They're not looking to trade first-round picks for George Hill or Rudy Gay or, you know, get kind of the, the moves that the Jazz have made in the years past. Even Mike Conley, um, guys with maybe lesser value or, or maybe declining value because they're looking to get guys that have longer deals. Um, that makes sense. So, you know, I would say maybe the exception to that would be uh, if they do trade the veterans, right? Like, so in the case of trading Mike Conley or Kelly Olynyk, uh, we know that the teams interested in Mike Conley, according to Bleacher Report's Eric Pincus, are the Lakers, Clippers, and Timberwolves. Those deals, if you look at their salary, it basically has to be an expiring player, right? Like, we know what the Lakers' salary sheet looks like. In order for that deal to work, it's going to involve Russell Westbrook, and it's going to be basically Mike Conley and Malik Beasley for Russell Westbrook. The Jazz get off of Russell Westbrook, uh, the, you know, get out of Conley's contract, and essentially probably get a first-round pick for the Malik Beasley's value. You you kind of negotiate on the protections on what you get from a 2027 or 2029 Lakers pick. With the Clippers, you're probably looking at Robert Covington or Reggie Jackson. Uh, both of whom make about $12 million a year. Uh, one of those guys, I can't remember which expires, but you're, you're saving money for next year. Uh, with Minnesota, you're, you're probably, again, just looking at their salary sheet, seeing where the math works, it's got to be, it's probably D'Angelo Russell's expiring deal. And, uh, you know, again, you're looking to save money moving forward. You can come up with some of these deals with Kelly Olenek. The uh, urgency is less there with his deal because most of it is non-guaranteed. Um, and, you know, I just think that Mike Conley is a better player than Kelly Olynyk, and so teams around the league are probably less likely to want him. But I think there are ways that, like, you can sell Kelly Olynyk to a team. I've thought, you know, I, I really think, like, Denver should be interested in Kelly Olynyk as a guy that would help shore up their bench in really significant ways um, and kind of trade two or three minor pieces for that. Uh, I would also be very interested in what happens at this trade deadline if I'm Leo Balmaro or Yudoka Azabuki because I think there's a real chance that the Jazz take on some of those smaller pieces in some of those deals. So, um, you know, for example, in the Mike Conley Clippers deal, the Jazz probably have to do a three-for-one trade in order to make that work. Um, that means the Jazz would probably waive Leo and Doak. Um, ditto with a Denver Kelly Olynyk trade idea. Um, I haven't heard any rumors about Kelly Olynyk to Denver, to be clear. I just like think that that's a possibility if you just look around the league and what teams need. Um, look, I, you know, I, I think there's a ton of room for the Jazz to do stuff. And, you know, when you have three building pieces and then a whole bunch of fungible assets that the team doesn't really like that much, frankly, like I don't think the Jazz are in love with uh, Vando and Malik and Colin Sexton. Certainly they're not in love with Rudy Gay. 
Uh, Mike Conley, you know, I think they do like Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, but know that, you know, I, I think especially Conley is not likely to be part of the next really amazing Jazz team. Like, there are just so many opportunities out here that I think that the Jazz are, are going to find something that, that helps them in the long term uh, in maybe multiple somethings as well. Yeah, no, it uh, definitely has the potential to be an interesting week and a half until the trade deadline. Uh, it'll be work keeping on top of it, but fun work. Um, you know, this I've worked real jobs for a living, and this definitely beats that. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Yep, I am too. Uh and of course, obviously, we'll talk about this more next podcast as well. But like, uh, and, and through our coverage. But yeah, this it's it really is fascinating, and they're they're like, it's fun to it, go through the NBA trade machine and find some some good stuff, right? Like finds finds possibilities and opportunities for the Jazz. I I just think that there's maybe more here for the Jazz that they can do and and make sense for them to do than any other t- trade deadline I've ever covered. Yeah, and um, you know failing the ridiculousness that you get out of uh, like doing fake trades on NBA 2K sometimes. Like, I can't tell you how easy it is to pry the Rockets 2023 unprotected people <laughs> them on that thing. Uh, absurdly easy, I'm just gonna say. Um, who did, who did, wait, yeah. have you, are you playing 2K? Yeah, my uh, son, my son got me uh, some 2K for my birthday. So, so what, what, what was your trade? How did you get the Houston pick? Oh, geez. I'm trying to remember what it is now. See, I, honestly, it, I, I want to say that it included Jared Vanderbilt uh, and like a 2025 second rounder in exchange for Boban Marjanovic and the unprotected 23 Rockets first rounder. Like, I mean, look, literally you, that easy. You just got to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Houston. You have the chance to acquire Jared Vanderbilt. You gotta, you gotta get it done. The Rockets, the the AI on the Rockets GM in two K is, is like not great. They are willing to take on all sorts of players and give up all sorts of uh, very valuable draft picks. I guess just for the fact that like, hey, we've got a bunch of young high draft picks already. We don't need more of those. We need to get busy winning. And Jared Vanderbilt is clearly the key to doing that. To be honest, well, I was going to say something mean about Rockets management. Uh, I, you know, I think that's a, that, that team's fine. That team has made some curious decisions. I think they've finally, you know, they're, they're going in the right direction. I think they've uh, prioritized some curious things in their rebuild. But regardless, uh, maybe I'm just less of a Kevin Martin Jr. guy than, than they are. I, it would probably be hard not to. Just, Believed less than Victor Oladipo. Um, but, oh well, well, we're moving on. Uh, you know, maybe at some point should have traded Eric Gordon. Just an idea. I'm just, you know, just, just an idea. Anyway, let's, let's wrap this podcast up. We already, <laughs> before I start hating on, on random GMs. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please support us at the Salt Lake Tribune, sltrib.com slash subscribe, sltrib.com slash donate. Uh, we do continue to appreciate all of your support. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your week. See you next week, everybody. Adios. 
Come see the new Utah Golf and Travel Expo. New ownership has made some big changes. February 24th and 25th at the Mountain American Expo Center. Lots of fun contests for cash prizes like long drive and putting challenges. Thousands of dollars in giveaways include rounds of golf, trips, and more. Every attendee gets a $15 off coupon good toward Topgolf Salt Lake. Plus, Uinta Golf is giving every attendee a $20 off coupon on purchases over $100. Additional info and tickets are online at utahgolfandtravelexpo.com.